Well, thank you so much for coming to this session. My name is Sarah. Sarah Grimm, if you wanted to know that. Grimm with two M's if you're going to write it down. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just be sad. It's very important you have two M's. Um, I, a little bit about me. I'm a physiotherapist. I live in Portsmouth. And I go to Christ Central Church. Yay! Come visit us. And <laughs> um, then this session is titled Celebrating Singleness in the Church. And what we're going to look at in the next hour is considering the downs of singleness and then the ups and applying truth into those situations. And then we're going to have a lovely walk through Revelation 21 because just as John was saying, we want to hear the Lord speaking, not me. So let's come back to truth and remember what is the great reality for all of us in Christ. And then we're going to finish with some application of how can we then, as singles, live and flourish in the gift of singleness in our churches and use that gift to bless our churches? And I'm thankful for those of you I know who are married. Thank you for coming, because equally, I want to help you to think of, in marriage, how can you love and include and value and uphold singles in your churches? Because it has to be both. Otherwise, we are a divided church. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you are here with us by your Spirit. We pray that you will speak to us. Let us hear more of the beauty of your church, the beauty of your bride, Lord. That's who we are. Will you help us in the gifts that we have been given by you to flourish, to be blossoming in your church, in marriage and in singleness, that we will be united in being the bride of Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Right, some stories for you. So, when I was a little girl, I was a very strange combination of a tree-climbing obsessive. Every time we went for a walk with my family, I was like, hang on a minute, got to be at the top of that tree. And then my parents were like, are you done yet? Can you come down? Um, and then on to the next one. But also, a Barbie doll obsessive. So, it's like a secret confession. Before <laughs> we know me. And at the peak of my Barbie doll craze, I built an empire, 21 Barbie dolls and Kens. So I probably could have taken over the world. <laughs> and I just loved imaginative play and making up all sorts of stories. All the goodies had American accents and all the baddies were British. So I don't know what that was about. I probably watched too much Disney. And um, when they were having all their adventures, whatever happened, the protagonists in my story would always end up getting married at the end. So as a little girl, I had an expectation that you would grow up and get married. Yeah. Again, probably watched too much Disney. But that's not been the case for me so far. So my story is, um, I grew up in a Christian home in North London. I went to quite a busy church, lots of young people my age. Spent most of my teenage years thinking boys were far too immature. All they wanted to do was blow things up which actually now I find quite funny. <laughs> um, and they went to uni, being told and having the expectation, you'll find your husband there. Great, let's go. Didn't happen. And then over the years, moving to Portsmouth, working as a physio, going to church, meeting lots of lovely guys. There have been people showing interest in me, but it's just not worked out for one reason or another. So I'm 35, I'm single, and I've never dated. That puts me in a slightly unusual category of singles, having never dated. But there's all sorts of reasons why someone might be single. Um, in, in some ways, this talk isn't going to be able to apply uniquely to everyone's circumstance. But you could be single because you're divorced, or you're bereaved, or you're same-sex attracted and you've chosen celibacy, or you've not met the right person, or anything else in between. So many different reasons. And um, this is so important because scripture teaches about singleness. So it's good that you're here if you're single. We want to hear what the Lord has for us. But it's also really important if you're married to be here to hear what the Lord has to teach about singleness. Because there is a reality, potentially one day, you may also be single again. So it's good to think about these things now. Prepare your hearts and live in the truth of what the Lord has for all of us. So that we're not depending on our circumstances for all our joy and happiness but we're relying on what he has for us and his plan, which can change. 
Um, but not in his will. His will is absolute. <laughs> um, but also, it's really important that we think about these things because we want to grow and flourish in all our gifts and we want to serve one another in that way too. So we want to encourage singles, we want to encourage married people, and by doing that together, we're all going to grow to be more like Christ and be more beautiful. Okay. So what we're going to do now is just have a little think through some of the challenges of singleness. Now, no matter what your relationship status is, there are ups and downs. Sometimes it's more obvious than others. So we're just going to have to think through some of the broad struggles that you can face in singleness. Okay. So first of all, it's easy to feel lonely when you're single. You are alone as a single person on yourself. Um, Challenges like coming home from work to an empty house. Cooking for one. Not having a shoulder to lean on. If you have had a difficult day, you just want to share that struggle with someone. There's no one directly there with you. Even not having someone to snuggle up with on the sofa. Although it's always great to have sole control of the remote. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Dealing with practicalities alone. This is something that I do struggle with. Um, Problems with my house. When things break, what do I do? (laughs) In the moment when you're facing it, what do I do? Um, Even the other day, I do have a lodger at the moment, but the other day I was brushing my teeth in the bathroom and all the lights went out in the house. And I was like, okay. Is it a power cup? That will be my happy option because it's not just directly my problem then. <laughs> and someone else is responsible. No, nope, peered out. No, nope, it's just my house. And she comes, what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. So I can't even reach the electricity <laughs> box. So I go and get a chair, stand on it, and look at all these buttons and think, which one do I switch? I don't know, that one says off, so let's flick that and see what happens. Thank goodness, it worked out fine. But it's moments like that, and I'm like, I wish I had someone around who'd be like, I know what to do, don't you worry, I'll sort it out. Problems with your car, problems with your finances, it's challenging facing these things alone. Um, Not every single person is entirely alone. There are singles who are single parents, or who are looking after parents, older parents, as they're caring, in a caring role. And it is challenging facing decisions about how to support them by yourself. Um, Not having milestones that are celebrated. So if you're single, you haven't had an engagement. You necessarily, I mean, if you've been married before, you may have done. But you may not have had an engagement. You haven't had a a wedding date. You don't have anniversaries. You don't have children's birthdays and parties. Uh, So these are things that it could be painful to watch others in life and see all these big celebrations, see from church at the front the honouring and the upholding of, of these moments in married couples' lives and think, oh, I'm just kind of trundling along out on the outside here. Mm-hmm. Um, living with unmet desires for marriage and a family, it's not always easy to be content as a single person. It is natural to feel that you would rather be married and be with someone and have children. And facing conventional expectations. So I work as a physio in the community, and in my work, I work in Petersfield, which is quite an affluent area. There's lots of older people there. So most of my caseload are over 70 years old. And uh, it's lovely. I spend a lot of time with them on my visits. And more often than not, because we end up talking, they'll say, oh, do you have children? No. Are you married? No. Do you have a boyfriend? No. But why? What's wrong with you? I bet is behind that question. And they get all the questions. Um, my colleagues have started saying to me, you probably should have a working wedding ring. So you'll stop all these questions coming your way. Um, but it's, it's tricky facing those questions of why. Why? Um, and also it gets a bit harder as you get older. So my parents' friends asked them, is Sarah still single? Uh, yes. And, uh, but don't worry. There will be someone around the corner for her, <laughs> consoling my parents and me. So it's, it's tricky. Sometimes you can feel, as a single person, that you're facing people's pity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't yeah. worry. It's okay. As if there's a problem around That's you being right. single. Um, and actually what's difficult is the, the longer you go, hearing all these voices, and perhaps growing older in being single, 
the more persuasive conventional circumstances can be. Um, and you know, desiring it in not only the goodness of being married, but also, oh, so that will make me happy. That's what's going to fix. And also that will shield me from all these unwanted questions. But there is, there is truth in those feelings, and we should actually allow space for single people to express how they feel, and um, also acknowledge that you're not always going to feel content in singleness. There may be times that you start to struggle, and we should listen, allow people to say how they feel, but also come with truth, because the devil is busy, and he's busy lying to all of us, as we've heard over these last two or three days. And this can be one of the ways he's speaking lies. You know, you are alone. You'd be better with someone else. You know, you've waited for a Christian husband. Here is a quick and easy way. Go on your dating apps. Find anyone. They'll make you happy. Quick fixes. But it's not going to be lasting happiness. So let's have a look at some truths in Scripture. There's so much truth in Scripture. So I've just picked out a few things that are key things we can stand on and declare as truth. So, first of all, Colossians 1.16 for in him all things were created, things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. We are created by God for him. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We, married or single, are all treasured yeah. by God. Amen. Romans 8, 28-29 And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. The Lord is working for our good so that we will be more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God has good works for you to do for him in marriage and in singleness. Ecclesiastes 3.1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. So there are seasons in life, seasons for marriage, seasons for singleness. And that is unique to everybody's life because the Lord has a unique plan for each of us. And 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And that's Paul teaching into marriage and singleness. So singleness and marriage are both gifts, equally valuable, equally for the blessing of the church. Now, it's interesting, when we talk about the gift of singleness, some people are like, but I am not gifted in being single. I want to be married. Actually, it's not that you are uniquely gifted to cope with being single. It is in itself a gift to serve the church and that is the point of our gifts it's not about you being like another thing on me like a little star like you know when um, the scouts all have all their badges I have a singleness badge it's not about me it's about us how can I bless you with my singleness and then Proverbs 19.21 many are the plans of a person's heart but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails God's plans will prevail. So in light of everything that we've looked at with those truths, all the goodness that the Lord has for us, that he has purposes in all of our lives, whether it is in singleness or in marriage, his plan will prevail and he is a good God and that is a really great thing, that he is in control and all of our lives, nothing happens by an accident. All of it is shaping us to be more like Jesus and is driving in direction of the Lord's will. So as a summary of those truths, God has made us as his precious people to become like Jesus through the good works and unique gifts he's given us in his plan. Okay, so let's pick on 
So moving on, we're going to think about some of the blessings of singleness, in which might vary depending on your personal circumstances. So again, these are sort of general blessings. So as a single person, you might be blessed with more time. And that is such a great gift. And what can you do with that time? You might also be blessed with freedom of finances. You don't necessarily have a husband or children to worry about in terms of all their needs as well. Your finances are there for you to serve the Lord and bless without having to consider um, other needs on those finances. There are also opportunities for your time to travel, which I make most of. <laughs> I love travelling. <laughs> Exploring the world. Um, there's also the blessing of serving the Lord with flexibility, so you have less constraints on your time. Um, you can drop things and go. So there might be times when people really could do with a shoulder to lean on. You could be that shoulder. You could say, I haven't got anything planned in, or I can really arrange um, whatever you were going to do that evening um, and go and be with them. And not having to carry someone else's hardships. So there is a sense when you're single that you do have some freedom of not having the burden of another person's troubles and even their sin. And that's something perhaps we don't necessarily consider as single people, that there is a challenge in marriage with two simple, simple people coming together. Not only are you dealing with your sin, you've got someone else's and their troubles that they face too. Um, so I think that's something we should rejoice in as single people, that we've got some light and load off our shoulder in that way. A little bit more space maybe to carry someone else's burdens in the church. Uh, we can have deep and broad friendships. And we can gain family and support networks in the church. I love children, so for me it's such a blessing having little nephews and nieces and little brothers and sisters around me in the church. So that's really wonderful to use our time and energy in loving our church family. So there are ups and downs of singleness, as there are in marriage. And what we're going to do now is spend some time looking at Revelation 21 and seeing the ultimate reality for us all, married or single, we all need to keep coming back to what is the ultimate goal of all creation, what is the direction of the church, where are we heading? So we're going to read through Revelation 21, um, this is the NIV, so please do open your Bibles and follow along, um, or you can watch on the screen. Give you a chance to find it. <laughs> okay. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. 
one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south and three on the west. The wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with a rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third argate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay, super exciting, isn't it? And that is our reality that's never going to change. So, I can't wait. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do is just pull out some truths from Revelation 21. I'm just going to talk through these points. So first of all, what we've seen in this chapter is the unity of the bride. So the bride, which is the church, is described as a city. Now, a city is an intimate and connected unit. It's actually, you don't really get a description of the inside in this chapter. It's just described as almost like a big box. It's completely connected together. All the bricks are stuck together. Every, every brick is the same in the sense of a building. They're all equal. They're all equally needed to build the city. Also, in verses 15 to 21, the bride is the complete people of God. In Revelation, the number 12 means God's people, either referring to the Old Testament tribes or the New Testament disciples as picture language. And repeatedly, through verses 15 to 21, we have 12, 12, 12, 12. God's people, God's people, God's people. Then we get to description, uh, which says 144,000, which is 12 times 12 times 1,000. So it's complete number of God's people, which is very large. That's what that means. <laughs> which is so exciting. It's a little bit like what we heard from Meg. This is what we should be looking forward to. The, the new heavens and the new earth, which will be a large group of people, more than we can count, from all nations, all tribes, all languages people from all backgrounds, who were single, who were married on this earth, who now um, are living as the bride, preparing to meet the bridegroom. Secondly, the beauty of the bride. In verse 2, um, it talks of the bride being dressed for her husband. She's dressed in her best. 
In verse 11 and 18 to 21, she's adorned and highly valuable. There's lots of, lots of language about precious stones and gold um, and pearls. So all of these things are so costly on this earth. They are the treasures that the kings and queens have, and that is what we will be adorned with. Also, in verse 11, we are gifted with beauty. We have the glory of God, so he is beautifying his bride. Um, thirdly, the Lord will dwell in her midst. So God is dwelling in the city amongst his people in verse 3. And in verse 16, we have a description of the, of the shape of the city. It's a cube. And elsewhere in scripture, we have a cube, which is the Holy of Holies, where the presence of the Lord dwelt. Now, you could only go into the Holy of Holies if you had the right qualification, being the high priest, and once a year. Now we have the, the presence of God dwelling in amongst his people for all eternity. There's no barriers. He will be with us and we will be with him in his presence eternally. Also, it's not just the case that the Lord will be with his people. He will be with you. Yeah. He will be with you. So in verse 4, it speaks of wiping every tear from our eyes. Now, that is an act of tenderness. You can't wipe someone's tears from a distance. You can't wipe someone's tears if you're not looking at them. You will poke them in the eye. <laughs> you have to look at their face and come close. You have to hold their face and gently wipe their cheek because the eye is a delicate area. There is such tenderness in wiping someone else's tears. And that is how the Lord will be with you individually. Um, he is also making everything new. So verse 4 to 5. All the pains that we have now will be gone. Our hearts will be entirely satisfied with Christ. Now there is also a warning in chapter 21 of Revelation. There are those that belong inside, in the city, or are the city. And there's those on the outside. Verses 6 to 8. So those on the outside have persisted in disobedience. They are not reliant on the blood of the Lamb. They are not repentant of their sin. Ultimately, these are not God's people. This is a little warning for all of us as Christians. And we need to be honest before the Lord. What is going on in our hearts? We all struggle with sin. We will will until the Lord returns. But are we daily being real with him, confessing our sin, and coming in repentance, and receiving, again, his forgiveness daily for the things we do, we mess up, and trusting in his blood, his righteousness, that will be people in the inside, the bride of Christ. Um, so that's really important for us to be uh, taking this warning to heart, making sure that we are uh, being real with God every day, and putting him first. Um, okay, so what we're going to do now is spend some time thinking about practical things. How can we then take all these lovely truths, all the ups and downs we thought about with singleness, and apply it practically into our churches? So I've got some points for this. We're going to chat through. They're all point number one. <laughs> <laughs> all equally important, yeah. <laughs> so first of all, we want to be Christ-centred. Now, it's not always easy to feel content in whatever season of life we are in, in marriage or in singleness. It's very easy to look at someone else and compare your life with them. Now, when I was in secondary school, I used to run the 200-metre sprint in our sports day. And if you know anything about 200 metres or a 400-metre racetrack, it's a funny oval shape. Uh, 200 metres starts on the curve and then you finish on the straight. And uh, I remember when I was on my start line thinking, you're ahead of me, you're behind me. So I might have a fighting chance. <laughs> Obviously there's no logic in that, because it's all measured the same distance. But as a teenager, you know, it kind of looks not right. Um, and then often if I was running, I'd be like, where are you? Where are you? It's all behind me. Okay, that's fine. I've got to beat you, though. And ultimately, if you look right or left when you're running at a sprint, you actually slow down, because you're not looking where you're going. 
You also have a chance of swerving out of your lane, which means you'll be disqualified. So if you're running a sprint to win, you've got to focus on the centre of your lane and the finish line. That's all you need to think about. Don't look right or left. And that is for us. Each one of us has a unique plan from God for us. Unique gifts. Not just in marriage and singleness, in everything else too. But it is unique for us. We're in our own lane in a way, with the Lord. Focus on what he's got for you. Because if we don't, and we're walking into someone else's gifting, or trying to do that, which isn't necessarily going to be easy because you're not gifted in it, <coughs> we're actually denying the church fullness. Because it will lack you and all that you have from God. So, we need to focus on Christ as our prize. It doesn't get any better than him. Creator God, servant king, faithful shepherd, pursuing lover. He is yours and you are his. That is it for all of us, single or married. He is it. So let's intentionally encourage each other in, the, in this truth. We need to model it to each other. This is why I'm really thankful that we've got married people in the room, because it's really important that married couples don't be like, oh yes, it is Christ, but look at marriage. This is great. Be real, be honest. Let's help each other to look at him. All of us are walking together in a life with a trajectory to being his bride. So let's look at that and rejoice in that truth, which we live in now. It's not just then. So we know it's not easy, so let's be real about that. Let's be honest about how we're doing in our season in life. It might be the case that um, singles can give the impression that it's plain sailing. I think some people look at me sometimes and think, oh, she's doing great. I'm like, I really am not. <laughs> but maybe I can't say that now because you think I'm so perfect, but I'm not. <laughs> so we need to leave space for each other to be doing well and flourishing in singleness and then to be like, oh, now I'm suddenly struggling and something's happened or, you know, I've, my heart has changed or, you know, I'm tired of hormones, all sorts of things. I now I'm finding this hard. Can I just talk to you about that and be real? And sit and listen to each other and give time for that. Time to hear, not just to be like, oh, can I just tell you how you can sort that out? Just, just listen. Yeah. <laughs> Let someone tell you what they want to say. Um, but also, it is really important for married couples to be open and real with singles in the right way and share the truth of what marriage is like, all the ups and the downs as well. Because otherwise, the singles will put marriage on a pedestal and be like, yes, it's Christ, but it's also that. That's like the halfway point, then Christ. And that's not true. <laughs> you know, equal, opposite, different ways of serving the Lord, different blessings, different gifting. Both have different challenges. And um, I think in that sense, it is really helpful for us to foster accountability relationships in church, where um, families can open up their homes, invite singles in, let them even see your life. That will be a testimony to challenges mm. and blessings, just by doing life together. Mm. But also talk about it as well. And, and um, maybe see how your single friends are doing. Don't necessarily go in there and be like, so how are you doing in your singleness? They might be like, I don't want to talk about that. Um, but maybe as you get to know them, you learn, okay, so this is how you'll be blessed by me asking you the right questions so that you can share when you're ready to, how you want to, how you're really doing. Um, so earlier I mentioned... Uh, loneliness as a potential struggle for singleness and uh, this is something that we can be real about as well about be being lonely now what's really funny is um, it's not necessarily just the case of singles to feel lonely and it's an assumption that we can make of singles that I'm lonely and single but you're always you know having someone around you so you mustn't feel lonely surely um, and we had a church weekend away recently and um, something that I personally struggle with is this repeated sort of message over me that you're alone, you know, everyone's moving forward, almost like a vision I get sometimes of everyone else walking past me but also being held back. That's not for you, you can't walk forwards, 
Everyone else is going through the stages of life, but not you. You're sort of on the shelf, or down the back of the shelf, like in Toy Story, all the dusty toys that fall off the back, <laughs> coughing and wheezing in behind the cupboard. Um, so I, I battle with this imagery in my mind and, and struggling with that and be like, it's not true. I know it's not true. Um, but our church weekend away, I just had this moment where I was like, gosh, I really do feel on the outside, even though it's not true, but I felt that way. Um, all these lovely families, all my dear friends, um, running around, having a great time. And I was like, I don't belong here. Like, I don't have that. Like, how can I? My kids aren't here. My husband's not here. And um, I shared this with one of my good friends. And she said to me, you know, it's really interesting you said that. She's a mother with four kids. Her husband was there as well. She, the day before, had exactly the same feeling. I feel alone. Uh, her circumstance was different. She had two little ones who literally both wanted to be held at the same time. She's like, I have only got two arms. You're really heavy. You're really small. Like, I just can't do this. One at a time. Please find another friend to play with. Also, I just want to be with my friends. Like, I want to receive, have some yeah. companionship. Um, so she was really struggling with feeling alone. And almost exactly the same language I used, she said that to me. Then, mm -hmm. strangely enough, later on in the day, when we had a campfire worship session, I was praying with an older woman, and she said to me exactly the same words. <laughs> in my marriage, I feel lonely. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, Lord, this is, like, this is such an assumption I've made mm -hmm. that you feel lonely in singleness. And also, it is a lie over us all we are not alone. You know, you might physically be alone sometimes, but that's okay. But we are not alone. We are a body. We are a bride. We are a connected unit. We have each other. And um, it made me realize, a little bit like we've been talking about the demons, that in our church weekend away, when we're together, you've got people of all different life circumstances feeling alone when we're not alone. We're together on our church weekend away. So, yeah, that really helped me to be like, okay, that's spiritual warfare. I need to pray against that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think another thing about being real as singles is that sometimes it is hurtful when people make assumptions about you. Um, sometimes in church, church situations, it's easy to assume that someone might be married, but they're not necessarily. Also, one of my good friends said to me a long time ago that singles are really hard to please because if you talk to them about singleness, they're like, oh, dude, why are you like putting my singleness in my face? <laughs> What's that about? And then if you don't talk about their singleness, they're like, why are you never talking about singleness? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. So I'm like, that are you. <laughs> it's really funny because it is true. And I think on the flip side, where it is important for marriage to be a little bit sensitive around a person that you're meeting, maybe think about the questions you'd ask them without making assumptions. As single people, we need to be careful not to be oversensitive and you know, let people be interested in you. We're human. It's normal. We're curious as, as creatures. We want to know about each other. We're interested. Let people ask questions. Let them falter and not necessarily get it right. And don't be like, oh, you've just hurt me because you seemed I was married and I'm not. And now I have a big issue about that. <laughs> when you were just wanting to be friendly and that's all you intended. So I think that's important too. Just be careful about how wildly we can get run away with our feelings. <laughs> um, also, another thing about being real is being honest between yourself and the Lord. Now, I have a funny habit of talking to myself out loud. So uh, sometimes I go to the supermarket and I'm walking down the aisle and I'm like, okay, so the fish looks great. <laughs> chicken, I had chicken the other day and we had a roast, so we, as in myself and I, had a roast. <laughs> <laughs> of me. <laughs> so there's chicken in the freezer. If you really want chicken again, so if you had chorizo, you can have your favourite meal, which is pesto pasta and chorizo on the sofa with a great movie. And if you got more, you could have double. So it means happy meal two days in a row, which is better than anything you can get in McDonald's. <laughs> My happy meal. And then you turn around and you're not on the like, <laughs> I'm going to bypass the meat aisle until all of that is done. <laughs> 
So yeah, talking out loud might not be the right thing. But I've come to realise that talking to yourself is really important. We should all be doing it. Just, I just can't contain it inside myself. So we need to speak truth to ourselves, just as we've been doing earlier. We need to target our hearts with what is true, what is real. It's so easy for our hormones, our emotions, what you watch on TV, what you're getting on your phone, all around you, what you see. You know, happy people walking along, arm in arm, hands full of children's hands. You see that and you're like, oh, I want it. Well, personally, you have it in the church. You really do. And also, everything in our hearts, our deepest longings, are satisfied in Christ. And keep coming back to that. Keep talking to yourself. And I recommend out loud because it's just fun. <laughs> you might end up witnessing to someone by accident. <laughs> um, be a good steward. So we all have different amounts of resources available to us that will vary depending on your circumstances as a single person or as a married person. But we can use our gifts, we can be uh, good stewards of our time. And that might be uh, walking into church, you're, you're not tied up with being sure that you're, you know, your husband might want you in a conversation so you haven't got that to worry about. You might not have the worry of all these children around you because they're not your kids. So you can look around the room and see where is someone who might need a, a good conversation, a friend. Yeah. Who looks sad? Who is new? Who looks lonely? Who is rejoicing and I want to go and praise the Lord with that person. So you're free to do that. Use your time well. That's just one circumstance. Use your finances. Um, use your energies, so your capacities for listening. Be a good listener. Um, so there's lots of different ways that we can be good stewards of all the resources that the Lord has given us. But on the flip side, there are some singles who have very little resources because they're single parents, they've got dependents, their time is stretched, they're working really hard to pay the bills, they haven't got any time at all. It is the responsibility of the whole church to look out for each other. So singles and married, let's look out for that person who doesn't have anything else to give, who needs us to give to them. Another thing about being a good steward is um, using your time to study and learn. So as a single person, you might have the gift of time and resources. Why not use that in the wonderful opportunities we have through commission? There's so many different opportunities to learn and study. If you want to ask for, you can ask Tim, who's right in the room afterwards. I really recommend it. I've just done two years of studying the GDIP. Um, level 3 training and it was amazing it's so it really taught me that there's more time in my life than I possibly thought I could have stretched me to the limit um, it's so rich and this is training for life it's only going to help you to grow and be really God focused so train it's great <laughs> okay um, be really great friends so um, singles may have capacity for more time, energy, and emotional capacity than married couples may not. Um, we could be really great friends. So love us, and we'll be your friend. <laughs> um, so I think what's really great about being a single person, you can be really intentional about your friendship with others, and what you can do is make it easy for them. So don't necessarily ask a married couple, oh, let's go out. Actually, I'll come to you so you don't need to get a babysitter. I can be your friend in your home. I can come and hang out with you, listen to you, laugh with you, share TV series or whatever. <laughs> um, and just, you know, go, go through life together. I mean, what a great opportunity. Yeah, um, but on the flip side, Married couples befriend singles, so don't let it be on their terms that they initiate friendship with you. And don't always use them just as a babysitting service, <coughs> if it may be said. It's easy trap to fall into. Although it's also good to bless your married friends with babysitting. <coughs> Now, in, um, in any group of people, it's natural that we will gravitate towards people with similar interests. Yeah. And that's okay. That's fine. Because the Lord has made us with different personalities, and it's okay to click with others mm. and celebrate that and share your interests. 
not everyone I know is an avid Star Wars fan or Lord of the Rings fan, but I will seek them out. <laughs> <laughs> and there's other people that are like, oh, she's weird. Um, but while it's comfortable in those friendships, it's comfortable with people, it's easy. In the church, to be a beautiful bride, we're called to uncomfortable friendships too. All of us, married or single, where we don't naturally have something in common with someone, where we might have to think, ah, they've not asked me a question back, so I'm going to have to ask them another question, and I don't know what to ask them about them. Let's practice that. Let's get better at being friends with people in, around us in the church. You know, the Lord has called us together. We are here because of him. We're not here because of we all love sailing or we all love sewing or we all love rock climbing or whatever it is. We haven't got that in common. We're not a club. We're here because of Christ. Mm. And he has brought people of all different abilities, all different backgrounds, all different stories together. So we need to practice loving each other, including each other, and being friends no matter what. Mm. Although and there is a sense that those friendships may be different depths. That's also okay. Okay, and then finally, be family. And this is the hub of how we can celebrate singleness in the church, by living in unity with each other. Now, while there may not be any markers to celebrate singleness um, in terms of engagements, wedding days, anniversaries, children's births, um, there are lots of things that single people do in their lives that uh, are sort of ways that they've intentionally used their time or intentionally um, served the Lord in a certain capacity. So it might be going on a mission trip. It might be going on a summer camp. It might be even simply being dedicated to serving in the church and turning up every Sunday early, being there in the kids' team, loving and serving children of the married couples in church, and let's honour that. Mm. Let's be intentional. And this is something to really think through. How can you do that in a way that's not cheesy? Or that's like, oh, here's the honouring single slot. Tick. Done. Let's make that a habit in quiet conversation, in gentleness, when you're not embarrassing them, and also in the front. So it goes on, along the scale. Let's acknowledge and recognise how singles are living for the Lord in all that he has given them. Um, let's be part of each other's lives. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but um, some people have asked me before, uh, single persons come to our church, and um, I can connect with them as a, like a girl to girl, but I'm not sure if they really want to come and be part of our family and all the chaos that happens here. Uh, it's not tidy, basically, and I can't actually present that tidiness because it's always chaos. Um, that's fine, and actually as a single person, I love being part of that chaos. <laughs> I love being there where uh, you, know, you can't even get out the door because you know, one child leaves the loo and that one's sat ready, like, I'm the good child, I'm ready. <laughs> and then um, you know, another one's gone and, I don't know, fallen over and bashed their head or something. <laughs> you know, I'd love to be part of that. And what's fun is that um, with my friends who have kids, there's two of them, and quite often there's more than two children, so if I come along, I'm like, yay, so it's like three on three now rather than two on three or two mm -hmm. on four kids. Mm -hmm. I can help. Um, and it's really great to be part of that. But another thing about being family and letting singles into your life is it is hard to raise children to know the Lord. It, that is, is difficult. Mm -hmm. It is the Lord's work. But to parent is challenging. So you've got a whole wealth of people who haven't got mm -hmm. burdens on them all the time of carrying that. Mm -hmm. They can come and help you. Let single people model Christ to your kids. Let them help you in raising them to see the Lord, to see him in his beauty. Help, help you with having those conversations with, with the kids and teenagers as they grow up. Sometimes they may not always want to talk to their parents. So actually you want godly people to come alongside these kids who they may see as a sister or a brother and find it easier to talk to them. And 
some of my non-Christian friends have commented on how lucky I am to be part of a church. And I'm like, well, come then. (laughs) 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 What they're saying is that, you know, you're part of such a diverse group that doesn't exist anywhere else. You know, I'm part of the, you know, triathlon club, or if they do, or this, that, and the other. All we have is that in common. But look, you've got grandmas and granddads. You've got aunties and uncles, brothers and sisters, little ones. You've got it all. You've got a massive family that's global. When when you go on holiday, there is your family. You're never alone in that sense. And it's not amazing that they see that. Uh, So let's live in that. Let's rejoice in that and be family together. Um, So... Now, this is a bit of a silly ending, but <laughs> and yeah, I said my name was Sarah Grimm. Now, my full name is Sarah Esther Grimm. Now, if you think about what those words mean in terms of the meaning of the names and what sort of people they were, that translates as Princess Queen Fairy Tale. <laughs> I know, right? So, <laughs> help being a dreamer <laughs> and um, just longing for that fairy tale ending. It's just me. It's my name. I don't think my parents really thought about that and realised they were going to get this like dreamy girl. Um, but actually, that is because in humanity, there is a heart longing for a happy ending. And we see this in all our stories. Most of us like a happy ending. Most of us are a bit like, oh, when there's a sad ending. Um, we are longing for something that will sort of tie up all the, all the loose ends in a way that's, that's fulfilling and complete. Now we have that. We have the fairy tale ending in Christ. And we are part of that. We are one half as the bride. And Christ is the other half. And one day we will know the fullness of that as we see him face to face. So just as much as married couples should work at their marriage, because you want a healthy relationship, but also you're modelling the reality for us all. But even more than that, the church should work on being the beautiful bride, because earthly marriage won't exist in heaven, but the bride will. So we are eternal as a group. So let's build that. Let's become more intentional of loving each other. So singles, let's flourish in our singleness. Let's live in that gift, in everything that the Lord has given us in that. And I think we should be praying daily, you know, Lord, what do you have for me today? How can I hear you? How can I serve you in my singleness? Married couples, pray and think intentionally and practice loving, honouring, including the singles in your church. By doing that, We're clicking together to become that city, that beautiful bride of Christ. Father, we thank you for these realities. We thank you that we have this fairy tale ending in you. It doesn't get better than that. It is all about Christ and the union of his people with him. We thank you that that is real now. We are eternally the bride of Christ. Will you help us, Lord, in whatever circumstance you've called us to live in right now? Let us listen to you. Let us love you. Let us serve you and flourish that we might be a more beautiful bride for him. In your name. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Thank that was really, 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 really good. Thank you. Um, I think we've got a minute or two left. Uh, if anyone has any questions, you're welcome to ask questions. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. I, I, I found uh, your talk um, helpful in terms of you know, single people seeing themselves as complete in Christ and not needing marriage to complete them. Uh, and as a pastor, one of the challenges I face is uh, lots of single ladies in the church uh, and, and they want to get married, uh, but there are no single men. 
and, and I've often wondered, is there anything, how, how, what do you say to pastors like myself? How can mm -hmm. we help them? Uh, apart from all the things you have said, mm -hmm. uh, but people still want to look for opportunities where they can meet young yes. men. Yes, that's uh, right. So what, 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 what do you have oh, to... There's lots of different ways you could... I mean, I think some things... There are lots of um, group events that can happen, so whether it is coming to a conference, um, like the... Festival. Is that what it's called? Yes. Commission Festival. Yeah. Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to remember. <laughs> 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 um, so come and mix. Why do they do your church? Um, so that's once a year, isn't it? The Commission yeah. Festival. So that's just a one-off event. Um, but it could be that you network in your city with other churches as well. Could we all sorts of different things. I suppose online dating is another forum. Lots of people meet online now, and that is, it's, it's normal. It's not something to be afraid of. It's um, you just need wisdom in that because I think it's something healthy to have conversations with people around you so they know the people you're meeting. Um, I'm a big fan of face-to-face -face meetings, so I think the better thing is to start with your local city and then what commissions providing in terms of social networks as well. Thank you. Um, I, I feel really quite convicted. And over this last six months, I know on a Sunday morning we've made a point of celebrating an engagement or a, or a wedding or a new birth. And um, and you're right. We don't want to do like a token. Mm. Oh, thanks so much for serving you, Drew. You know, yeah. some, you know. And so I was starting to think that. And I guess to take this back to the team, but I suppose like a new job, you know, it's so great that it's a new job and they celebrate that. Are there other things that you think we might know anyone that, oh yeah, that's a, something that's unique and not just a, that anyone can, you know, yeah. sort of token mm. um, <coughs> it's, it's really broad, isn't it? I think that's where we need to really think about our, our churches and the singles and their lives in our own churches. Um, just generally having come off the summer, one thing is summer camps and lots of singles in our church go off to camps and serve in the camps across the country and maybe just having a time of come and tell us what you're doing, let's pray for you intentionally before you go, even if it's not connected to this church, yeah. you're part of our church, yeah. global church, we're serving the Lord mm -hmm. and then come and give us feedback, let's hear what happened, let's hear how the Lord has been working in these young people's lives or these children's lives through the summer um, or in your mission trip or those sorts of things, so yeah. yeah. Um. I think it's, it's been really useful. I think mean, kind of smashing is like, like kind of an idol of a perfect marriage, right? And um, I think as we kind of go into moving in some of this stuff, I guess you've probably seen other people trying to kind of repent of this idolatry, trying to move right away from it and trying to... What are some kind of dangerous things that, as a kind of married person, I could find myself doing in the next few weeks as I try and work out how do I evolve her? Are there some sort of stories where you've seen things like hurtful things have happened because people are trying to repent but it just was kind of confused. Mm. So you mean in terms of putting marriage as an idol and then trying not to, trying to show that it's not like that? Uh, totally separate context. So totally think like, there are some churches that try and repent of maybe like a hard thing around homosexuality. They end up inviting a kind of gay person right at the centre of the church without really kind of you know, and there could be quite painful circumstance that can then happen off the back of that yeah. because they haven't really worked it through. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, if I go and reach out to a single person on Sunday and I'm like, oh, you're single? Yeah. You've got to come round to our house and, like, <laughs> almost uh, try to work out what Let's the see. things I could end up I doing as I try and repent of that. Okay. might be a bit confusing. Yeah. yeah. I think it just starts in normal conversation. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, if you target someone because they're single, that's slightly the wrong angle, target them because they're a person yes. and they're someone that's worth knowing because they're the Lord's child. Um, so I think let's just come and just be normal with each other and talk about regular things, but you're including that person because you're showing an interest in them. And, and that sort of goes without saying that you're then valuing their singleness because you're valuing their person. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit like what I was saying about having, we don't necessarily have common interests with everyone, but we can start conversations 
and by doing that and then ask a question and stop and listen you're showing my time is for you I'm interested in you yeah. and I'm going to give however long this takes for the conversation because I want to be with you in this in this time um, can I ask about obviously there's this teaching with Paul where he suggests it's better to be single yeah. and I suppose I feel like most single people I know seem to be single but probably maybe wanting to be married. Mm. I was wondering, do you know people who are like have a sense of I'm called to singleness and, and, and a, a, in that place? Because I just haven't really met people. Maybe it's because I haven't had the right conversations as married women mm. with people to know, but I was just interested. Because mm. it feels like it, even when I talk to singles, the message I get from them is also like, oh, actually marriage probably would be better, really. Yeah. Even though that's probably not what we really believe. Mm. Do you see what I'm mm. trying to grapple with? Yeah, definitely. It's really interesting, isn't it? And I think in some ways it's, it's there's like layering of um, where, where we're really connecting truth, maybe. Um, sometimes they might say, oh, marriage will be better. But perhaps that's still sugarcoating marriage and not really connecting with reality. And um, that's where we need to help people. Not It's tricky, isn't it? Because we don't want to be demeaning marriage. We just want to be real about life. That everyone has ups and downs. And everyone will be content in some time in your, in your um, relationship status. Um, but it's not necessarily going to be plain sailing all the way. I'm sure if you're married, you would say that you're not entirely content all the time. <laughs> um, and that's also helpful to be real with single people that um, I don't feel always content. You know, Sometimes I'd rather be single. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just to get rid of my troubles that I have. <laughs> but I'm not, because I'm committed to this relationship. <laughs> but I think it, yeah, and I think we all need to keep pointing to truth and listen and be honest but then say, but let's come together. Where I struggle in marriage, well, I'm not married, but if you were telling that person, um, and where you struggle with singleness, <coughs> yeah, I can identify with that. And, but let's both look to what's lasting and real in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yes, good. Mm -hmm. yeah. If I um, might, right, I feel, actually, I didn't have a specific call of being single. That was something that God laid on me, and I had made this, without going too much detail, and made a sort of choice to follow God, that hasn't meant I haven't been sad about some of the things I've lost. But a few years ago, someone offered to pray for me that I'd get married, and I reacted with sort of horror, oh no, please don't do that. <laughs> 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 quite a revealing moment. <laughs> um, often, like, sometimes in churches, people say things like, oh, when you get married, or like, and obviously, like, if... And then, like, you kind of get people that, like, will go, like, online dating apps and stuff like that. And then you get people saying, like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be waiting because it's, like, all in God's timing. Yeah. And then you get other people that are, like, no, no, no you've got to be proactive and look <laughs> for people. So where's, like, the line between, like, I don't want to go out and be, like, let me get married today. But also, if mm. I'm just sitting here forever, like, yeah. do I just wait for Jesus? Like, <laughs> um, I think that we are all unique people. And you have all a new, unique personality. And that it will look different from different person. And also, in your life, you might change your mind. So, like, you might be a, I am not an online dating person, because that's not in my personality. That can change. We need to leave space for each other and not be like, oh, but I thought you were never an online dating person. Now you are. What's going on? <laughs> like, we change, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And these are all healthy things. Like, we, it's okay to pursue marriage and be intentional about it. It's also okay to rest and wait and see what the Lord has for you. That's partly suiting your personality, because the Lord is leading in either way. Like He will lead through an online dating app. He will lead and, and guide you someone if you, in his will uh, through natural circumstances. Um, but I think sometimes it's difficult when we label each other as an online data or a waiting for the Lord in your life. Um, yeah, so firstly, I, I lived with Sarah for a little while, I confirmed she talks to herself. I've been upstairs and thought she's had company in the kitchen. I'm just going to find out on that. Yeah, Sarah, that was absolutely brilliant. Um, it's just such a blessing to have you as a single woman talking to us. Um, yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. 
Um, I think my question is about sensitivity because um, I'm in a situation where we've got a group of friends um, and one of them is, is recently single from divorce. Mm. And the group of friends that we are, we don't have children but we're all married. So naturally when we get together the conversation goes to husband and wife mm. things. Oh, you know, my husband's great this, my husband's annoying this. And the conversation can sometimes get, get a bit centred in that way. Yeah. Is, is there a place for us being a bit over, over not over cautious, but cautious about how much we're talking about our marriage when we're with that, that single friend, and is there a place for us to draw it back and, and yeah. purposefully mm -hmm. not do it? Um, yeah. uh, but also be truthful about that marriage, because we don't want to sit there and, and come across that we've all got perfect marriages when she's yeah. just been through that, yeah. um, but still be real about marriage. So it's kind of the, the spectrum, it's just navigating it and how yeah. we do that. With, I think that a lot of what we've di discussed mm. takes practice. Mm. We're not always going to get it right. Mm. Um, we don't want to beat ourselves up about that. Um, so we need to practice these conversations, practice these social situations. I've definitely experienced time with some of my lovely girlfriends in the church where like, the whole evening has been about their kids. Mm. And um, I adore children. But also I adore my friends and I'm like, but I want to know how you're doing. <laughs> That's why I've come. I've not come to see your kids. I've come to see you. And I want to hear, you know, all the fun things you're doing and all your struggles that I can pray for you about. So I think it's also just talk about yourselves together mm -hmm. as well as your life. Because it's both. You know, you are, if you're married, you're married to, to a person and that is a massive part of you, isn't it? You can't ignore that. And when you're with your friends, you want to talk about it. And also your children as well, so that's fine. But let, let's leave, let's not let that be the whole evening when you're together. Um, leave room to talk about you as well, or your friends. So okay. can I just quickly say it was really, really helpful um, from a widow's perspective hearing mm. you speak. And, um, and I, th I think, you know, as you were saying about married people, I think, you know, spending a whole evening, you can feel quite alienated mm. as that. So just, just from, thank you really. Oh, I think we'll probably have to finish there because of the time. Otherwise, we, I think it's lunchtime. Is it lunchtime? Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you everyone for coming. <laughs>